0: This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of having a topic that's so good, we decided to reboot the topic and do it again.
1: Second verse, same as the first.
0: Call this the director's cut. That's right. Last, um, uh, on an earlier uh, episode, we talked about uh, high-tech survival in hostile environments, and... Jonathan was, you know, basically he broke down how we needed, what we needed to consider. You know, the need air, we need, you know, uh, food, we need water, we need shelter, we need, you know, all these different things. And he broke all that down and we talked about that. And we talked about some of the solutions to do it. All right. But what I really wanted to do with that topic was talk about all the cool things you could use to give you the solutions you need for all those things to provide all those things that you need, all those wants and needs. So we're doing this again, except we're going to be talking about really high tech solutions. And so we want you to just open. You know, and we will be repeating some of the stuff that we talked about in the last episode that we used as examples. But we're really going to try to push the envelope so that you can get so you can bring the awesome to your table. So let's real quickly here uh, talk about power, high-tech solutions with power. All right. Uh, what do you got, Jonathan?
2: First thing that comes to mind is that solar gathering, solar energy is probably going to be top-notch if you're dealing with super ultra-high-tech.
0: Okay.
2: Um, you know, you'll probably be able to get, you know, a, a few thousand watts off of a, you know, relatively small panel. You probably talk about efficiencies that far outstrip what we can do today.
0: Okay, so you know, high, really high efficiency solar panels, which has always been a staple
1: in in um, uh, in Ah, mm-hmm. oh, the, the recharger. Yes, everything's recharged in ten minutes. And, after and, come they, and they're the on
0: roll. Up, they're on roll up panels. I mean, they they just fold together into a small package, and they unfold out, and you just plug stuff into them. It's it was always so very efficient. I was like, wow, this is great. Yeah, so. Okay, so solar panels. How about you, Travis?
1: Uh, wind power. Set up a windmill and get that going or maybe a water generator where if like, oh, we're near a decent sized river. Put that in and it's hydro little hydroelectric mill generator type thing. Yeah. Right. So wind or I mean, water? It,
0: if the water's already flowing, you know, into your habitat, you know, through pipes that you put into like a mountain stream or something like that. Why not, you know, include a turbine yeah. in that assembly to produce
1: power? And of just, course, wind, what do they call I want to say they call it, well, it was a windmill, but a wind uh, wind farm, I think is what they call it, where you have, you set up like three or four of them and just.
0: Yeah. There's yeah. also the, the Darius ones where they're vertical, they look like egg beaters.
1: Oh, God, yeah, okay, I know it, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they yeah. They,
2: they, they stay stationary, but they can catch the wind in any direction. Right, yep.
1: they're not as efficient yeah. as
0: the big, you know, bladed ones, okay, uh, but as you say, they, they uh, you know, you could put them up anywhere, you don't have to have a big huge tower sticking up, uh, drawing attention, because those towers are will draw attention, okay, so you could put that pretty much anywhere where there's air. Uh, you could you could put this sort of thing up on the you know the I mean if you paint it right I guess you could look like a tree uh, you could put it up on you know except it spins but uh, you put it up on the top of a hill run the lines down uh, and and let it generate air whichever direction the uh, the wind comes sure right uh, okay any more high tech than that fusion generators right oh yeah oh yeah.
2: If you've got super high tech, super high efficient, just a little bit of of water will will carry you a long way.
0: Yeah, especially if you don't need to have, you know, because our ideas of fusion are using deuterium and tritium and stuff like that, which are all isotopes of hydrogen. Okay, you know, but whenever we read about fusion power, it's always just water. It's just this hydrogen that's cracked out of water and then they fuse it together and take a little bit of that energy back to. Crack the next bunch you know it's just Regular guarded variety Hydrogen so, I yeah. I
1: used something like that in the FTL 2448 Campaign I ran I think okay. last Year where yeah their ship Crash and all that so we had the techie Sit there and cobble together okay well we have A fusion re- reactor there it's still there Oh and we landed near a lake Yeah just put it on the lakeshore there we just the right. Water from the lake and we have Power even though we're in medieval society We're We got lights and heat and refrigeration and, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, and and believe me, that refrigeration is a good thing. Now, that's also one of the big advantages for an underwater habitat because water gets colder. as the further down you go. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't take – it doesn't have to go down very far before you are actually pulling – you know, if you were actually to pull water up from that depth, you're pulling up some ice-cold water. yeah. So, you know, your refrigerator can be as simple as piping some water from the depth up as, you know, and making, you know, surrounding something you want cold, you know, and you, and
1: it's just like here in Michigan when we would get, you know, when the power's out, oh crap, we got to make sure our food doesn't spoil. Just put it in the backyard. Fur yeah. stores her water yep. out back for because her son, her son sucks down water. And it's a good thing. Drinking a lot of water is not a bad thing. But yeah, let's say it's oh, it's like 35 degrees out. She'll put, you know the 24-pack the, the wrap bottles, put it out on the, outside the back door, and they go and get it. It's cold, it's ready to go, it's not frozen. Yeah. Um, Even oh, well. here in
0: Atlanta in the wintertime, I just keep all of our soft drinks in the, in, out in the, the garage. Yeah, and uh, you know, and I just bring them in as we need them, and we don't even—I mean, we do refrigerate them at that point, but we don't have to up to that point because you know it's 40, 30 degrees, which is more than enough to cool stuff in your garage. So you don't even have to. But if you got a snowbank, yeah, it's, it's you're golden.
1: Yeah. Oh no. What um, up here in Michigan, folks, as as you know, we are surrounded by the Great Lakes, and we have basically. Lake Superior is a fresh land sea. It is the largest body of fresh water on the planet. And even in the middle of the summer, the water is still 35 degrees. You might still find ice out in like the, the center. There might be like a, best way, kind of like an ice sandbar out in the middle of the lake because the water is that cold. And I know a lot of times, you know, there are people that just, you're ice fishing. You just store your cans of beer under under the water, you know, like, My boss ice fishes, so I know he does that. He cuts us all, he'll put a six pack down on a string and, oh, yeah, want a beer. Okay, pull it up out of the water and you're good to go. It's ice cold, you're golden. Um, Yeah, you mentioned here about uh, ideal would be coastal because civilizations are, yeah, all of our major civilizations, all of our major cities have always been near some route of water because that was our, um fastest way of transport, you know, by boats and barges and a little bit of a bitterness here. I mean, it wouldn't call it bitterness, but that's why Ohio became a state before Michigan because it had the Ohio River and it was easily, and I always mess up this word, navigable. And because of all the commerce going down the Ohio River, yeah, you have Cincinnati, you have, you
0: know. That's why they made the Erie Canal.
1: Yeah, yeah. And just that, that's the best place to have if you're going to set up a camp somewhere, Near a river is good because you have the fresh source of water. You can set up some type of hydro, hi, yeah, hydroelectric power source. Um, survival, obviously, clean source of water is always good to have.
0: Right. Yeah, and the differences in temperature of the water to the surrounding air provides you with a lot of opportunities to, you know, uh, for either for refrigeration, for for Food stuffs and things like that and yeah yeah it also is a natural barrier against uh, uh, predators uh, yeah two-legged or otherwise so yeah okay uh, uh, let's uh let's talk about some more uh, outlandish ones uh, protoculture
1: oh, oh folks despite me having a headset on you probably heard my ears perk up over the recording when he said that, yes, you all know I'm a huge Robotech fan. Yeah, protoculture, for those of you who don't know, Robotech, and we're, again, I'm already hearing the people grumbling about, oh, uh Protoculture is a seed of the infant flower life. When it is held in an electromagnetic matrix, it generates clean, limitless power. One seed in a matrix could power New York City for a decade. Now, if there's anything that... Involves and how big is waving. that
0: matrix, just so we have... To scale. I
1: would probably... Well, by the time Next Generation adapted from Genesis, Climber Mospeda, P-cells, as they called them, were about the size of an old can of oil. Yeah.
0: So and that mess, would last... You see walking around and such are powered by, you know, sexually frustrated petunias.
1: I want to thank Mr. Shepard for totally ruining one of my favorite fandoms with that analogy. Thank you, sir. Thanks.
0: thanks.
1: <laughs> Just there. Okay. And okay. I know what books I'm going to be putting in first py- fire pit this weekend. Thank you, Bruce. She'll get a kick out of that, by the way. Oh, you're adding more to the fire. Not my gaming books are not. Um, but no, no. Protoculture. Yeah. it it That one seed, you could power an entire campsite for as long as you need. Well, let's see. In a mech, it usually runs runs one P cell can run a mech for a month. And that's why they usually have like six to get them going for like half a year. So yeah, no protoculture. If you have that and you, you know, French weather or whatever. Yeah. You have a power source. Just as it, get a P cell. You're good to go.
0: Okay. Jonathan, what what other types of, of uh, massive, po- uh, but easily, uh, transportable power supplies are there?
2: Uh, the one I just discovered recently, uh, after reading the, um, we are Legion. We are Bob books, or the Bobiverse series, uh, was uh, like Casimir uh, engines that use the Casimir effect and just blow them up.
0: I have no idea what you're talking uh, about. If, yeah, I might want to clarify that. All right. So, that. are
2: you familiar with the Casimir effect? It no. It is a quantum. It's a quantum field uh, theory that we have detected it. It's it's weird, but it's like when you take two items uh and this is where it gets uh really difficult cuz i'm not 100%. I get I've, I've heard of it before, but it's like basically taking two metal plates and getting them ever so close together and there will be an attractive force between those two at the at a very like super microscopic scale. And it's stronger than gravity. It's not a gravitational effect, but there seems, there seems to be something that pulls these two plates together that is stronger than gravity and they call it the Casimir effect.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, it's I'm on and we're going to do this and we don't have a way to add reverb. The qu- the source of all knowledge and wisdom, Wikipedia, and I just looked it up here and it's uh the typical examples of two uncharged conductive plates in a vacuum placed a few nanometers apart. In a classical description, the lack of an external field shows there is no field between the plates and no force would be measured between them. When this field is instead studied using quantum electrodynamic vacuum it is seen that the plates do affect the virtual photons which constitute the field and generate a net force. Either a retraction or repulsion, depending on the specific arrangement of the two plates. Yeah, okay. So yeah, wow. basically okay.
2: an, an overgrown version of that uses this effect is to basically generate free free energy.
0: Okay. What's the difference between that and a zero point module? I would
2: honestly say probably nothing. I would probably say they're probably that would honestly, in my head, be the explanation for zero-point module.
0: Right, because in in TV shows like Stargate and other type things, they have these devices that essentially harvest energy out of vacuum, out of nothing. Essentially, it's a quantum physics idea that, uh, that the universe is constantly expanding, therefore particles are coming into existence, and if you can collect it in some way... Of uh, using this device, you have an unlimited power source. And usually, where they use these things, they are a massive power source like Starship powering, you know, Space Station powering, you know, Death. You know, planet killer powering thing, and it's you know usually something pretty small. And it's like so in in, in almost all these television series, he says, you know, your your team basically grabs the zero point module out of the the, the death machine and spend the rest of the mo- uh, of the show trying to get away <laughs> with it. And everyone's chasing after you because you're thwarting them. You know,
1: and, okay, uh, real quick, I, I I scroll down to the bottom, and yeah, I'm kind of one of those guys. Yeah, I'll read the end of a book, find out who did it. Speculative applications for the Casimir effect. It is suggested that these forces have applications in nanotech, in particular silicon-integrated circuit technology-based micro- and nano-electro-mechanical systems and so-called Casimir oscillators. And I'm now, imag- I'm now imagining saying, "I have
0: no idea what we're talking about."
1: Yeah, same here. You're more scientifically minded, it, bad folks. It's bad when Bruce, the general science,
0: well, you know, if, pre- I had, it, if I if I this if this has been one of my ideas, I would have read up on it. Yeah, uh, the <laughs>
1: Casmere effect. The Casimir effect shows that quantum field theory allows the energy density in certain regions of space to be negative relative to the ordinary vacuum energy. And it has shown theoretically that quantum field theory allows states where the energy can be arbitrarily negative at a given point. Many prominent physicists, such as Stephen Hawking, Kip Thorne, and others, therefore argued that such effects might make it possible to stabilize a transversible wormhole. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're. And now now it's something something to make a. What do they call it? Einstein-Rosenberg bridge or something like that, and it, basically it's a Wormhole, it's a wormhole. yeah. 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 Wormhole. Wormhole. yeah.
2: <laughs> but okay,
1: yeah. It's just I—I I look down and say okay, and I'm—I'm I'm scrolling on the page here, and I'm okay. These are all formulae. I have no idea what's going on here. And oh, look, I, words I somewhat understand. Yeah. Um. All right. Um uh, no, okay. that—that's interesting, Jonathan. It's a neat. Hmm. Yeah, I would—I okay. I right.
2: would recommend the book. It's um. Uh, I'd have to hunt down the the author again. But yeah, it's the, the title of the very first book in the series is, "We are Legion, We Are Bob," and it's basically about a, a modern day software engineer who dies and uh, he, he, he gets brought back as the controlling AI for a um, Va- von Neumann probe.
1: A okay. book by Dennis
0: E. Taylor.: There you yeah. go.: Yeah All right. All right, well, okay, I'm going to go back to you, Jonathan. Talk to me about um, orbital power generation, and using lasers to transfer it to ground stations.
2: Okay, well, immediately when you say orbital, I want to do, you know, again, solar panels, just either solar panels orbiting the sun or orbiting far outside the planet's atmosphere. But then, yeah, using like microwave lasers to beam the energy down to a receiver unit on planet side.
0: Right. So the idea is that you can make this massive... Power station, okay. It could be huge, you know, up in orbit, all right. And then you take that power from it, you know, what? And if you're out far enough, then you're not gonna, you're rarely gonna run into problems with the Earth getting in the way of it. Or if you do, then you know, you just have to deal with the fact that sometimes your power is not going to be there, all right. You know, uh, or you have two stations, you know, one that so it they they hand off to each other. You can have an array of these. The point is, is that you get this power and then you use a laser to basically fire it down to a location on the planet and provide power in a receptor there. Whether, you know, you basically are literally boiling, you know, water in a boiler and producing steam, which is basically all a a, a nuclear power plant does, by the way, is it essentially produces heat, which then is used to run a boiler We send current generators, okay, or you know other things like that, Uh, and so you could have basically a planet, you know, a a a big installation, all right, or even a small installation. This it doesn't seem like it has any power yet; it has power, and it's because it's all coming in probably an invisible beam to a receptor, okay, somewhere on the uh, you know on, on the base, whether it be. In the orbital ba- in the aerial base, or uh, on the floating, not underwater, that won't work very well unless you, ha- you it's going to have the receptor has to be floating. It's not going to do too well. To, or you know land based. Okay, this idea was actually presented uh, to airplane carriers. The idea was that they would have this orbital uh, generator. They would fire these lasers down. Uh, at um, at jets, passenger jets, okay? They would essentially, they would have three engines. They'd have two regular engines on the back, and they'd have a third engine on, on top of that. And the idea was that you use the conventional air uh, uh, engines to get you up to about 30,000 feet, your normal lift and stuff like that, at which point um, then you'd switch over and because it's three feet up, you're above the clouds. You're the air is thinner, and all that stuff like that. You know the laser's more effective. You fire the laser down into this chamber, you know, and essentially use the laser to heat the air, and that causes the air to expand. It turns, you know, uh, it turns the well. It doesn't even have to turn the turbines. It blows out the back, okay, as a stream of air. Air comes in the front blows out the back you have put you have push you now have thrust in the direction of the front of the plane and you use that to basically allow you to travel an infinite distance because as long as the laser can hook up to the plane you know it you know it works and you know the biggest there are two big questions people had uh, issues about it one was they just thought it was a little bit too crazy to be firing something that was theoretically combustible at a passenger plane. They just said, that's just stupid, okay? All I can say is that you have jet fuel inside of your passenger plane. That's really combustible, too, but you don't have a problem with that. But there were a lot of people that just thought the idea of using a laser, firing it down to a plane and doing that was just, too dangerous okay the other thing was they say well what if it misses how do you how are you going to make sure that the that the, the laser hits the right part of the plane okay and the answer to that was is that you have the engine the 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 place where it hits have a, has a laser too and it fires up at the um at the generator uh, the uh the, the energy collector up in orbit, okay? And, uh, and it allows it to essentially scope in on that particular location that it's trying to hit. Uh, we use the same technique to uh, compensate for air pressure changes and wind and everything else to let ground-based uh, uh, telescopes take better pictures, basically compensate for atmospheric distortion. We use the same idea. Uh, it could be used, and so it could have been used on these planes, so that they would always hit exactly right. And if it was ever out of whack, then it wouldn't work, and they would have to use their their you know their regular engines, okay, to basically uh, you know either complete the distance at a higher cost to the to the airline or land at a, at a nearby airport and uh, deal with the repair, you know. You know so it was something that was a possibility, but unfortunately, none of these big people, you know, these big airlines were willing to buy it First of all, they were like, "Okay fine, you put the orbital thing up there and you know and, and we'll, we'll think about doing it, okay? And then of course, everybody said, "You're going to put an orbital death ray. No, you're not." yeah <laughs> we have we have treaties there's no it's not a death ray it's a power generation beam it's not could it be used that way could it be well, misused theoretically. that way? well of course it could be misused <laughs> yeah
1: that's where what, what oh god what was Politics. the line no what was the one line i heard recently on Picard? any law of physics can either be turned into a weapon or outdone by another law of physics <laughs> yeah that yeah, any anything can be turned to a weapon. And let's see, a beam that shoots energy down. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. I'm reading I'm reading new weaponry. And of yeah, course, the,
0: that's the, the yeah. same laser that's used to you know uh, to cut out cancer can be used to blind somebody. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. Anything can be misused.
2: Well, that it? was the thing in um, Fallout New Vegas where you had the um, you had the uh, the Poseidon Energy Center that you know was right. a solar panel receiver but out there somewhere it was the control unit for a death laser
0: well you had to you had the choice of either not doing that or doing that and of course everybody's going to do the death laser just because it's that kind of game (laughs) i've never met anybody who said no 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 i provided extra power to everywhere rather than having the ability to have a death laser
2: i I did that because i didn't know the death laser was an option
1: Poor, and now Jonathan's guy. gonna go play the game again sometime. Like, oh, wait a minute, you can trust me,
2: out. I've played that game so much. I have mods I made for that game that have like thousands of downloads. Trust me, I.
1: But didn't know about the giant death laser. Oh, okay. well, not the first <laughs> time.
2: Not the first time. Granted, <laughs> I think probably on the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh consecutive playthroughs. All
0: right,
2: certainly so, on my Evo playthroughs.
0: Right, and you know, and e you know, and if you're on an alien world or something like that, okay, you know, there's nothing that says you can't take, you know, the power that's coming out of your fusion energy, okay, uh, plant, and use a laser to power other air vehicles. You know, we were talking about how you, you build your, your base in orbit and then lower it to the ground. You know, if you're not worried about air, I mean, about the sound of it. You could do the same idea, fire this thing down, turns turbines, blows air out of the bottom, it slowly goes down, you know, slows its descent, lands it wherever you wanted to land it. You know, it keeps going to, you know, you don't even need, you know, the uh, the parachutes or the... Um, uh, or the big dirigible, you literally can, you know, using these kinds of engines, just blow down. And then at the end, if if you get overrun by uh, indigenous people who don't like you, you can always move your base. Just turn the thing on again, fire up the 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 um, uh, the jet engines underneath your base, and fly it someplace else. You know, and everyone's like, "Who knew they could do that?" So you can, you. I'm saying you can use this to power other vehicles. You know, you can uh, uh, just like it's really dangerous to stand uh, to climb a tower and stand in front of the microwave generators for the for the uh, telephone system. You know, you could die from that. Uh, the uh, you likewise could use you know uh, uh, a power generator and send a laser over to a receptor on a vehicle or a plane, that, you know, or a drone, or you know anything else, you know, uh, and that can receive it. Uh, turn it and, and somehow turn it into electricity uh, and use it for other purposes. You know, it's it's not the um, air transmission that 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 we were uh, told we were going to get from um, Tesla. It's not that. Okay, and believe me, if you can figure out how to make that work, Ooh. that's a whole other thing you can do. Yeah, <laughs> the whole Tesla generators and sending so much power through the ground, wireless that, electricity, that, uh, trees. Yeah. Trees are arcing between them hundreds of feet away from your base. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, Tesla had lots of fun with that sort of thing. But uh, so I'm just saying, you know, uh, 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 you know using, using transmitted power is, is something that you don't see a whole lot in science fiction stories and books and things like that. But it is possible. And, you know, it, as long as you get away from the politics of it. It's something that actually can make a big difference so I would you know you know I would definitely put it in my toolkit if you, especially if you're trying to create a, a, a strange alien culture let them do it okay they did it differently than the rest so you don't have to explain how we got past OSHA on this. <laughs> so anybody else got any other ways of producing power?
1: Oh there is something. And again, I I use this this imprint for OGL quite a lot It's from Scorch Earth Games. It is something called a bio cauldron. Basically, you can put organic materials in, and you can produce anything from water, food paste, fuel, diesel, gasoline, kerosene, whatever. And yeah, it just it's probably about the size of let's see, let me bio cauldron. Uh, Digest human waste and garbage, breaking down anything virtually organic to produce useful substances, common sight in the home or trade. Let's try that again. Replacing trash cans and garbage disposals and large scale ones remove food waste from restaurants and potentially hazardous medical waste from hospitals and cyber clinics. It's programmed to produce any number of several useful liquids. Gasoline or synthetic gasohol, milk, water, fruit juice, or several licensed plants of soda. Yeah, needless to say, you'll be wanting to clean things up before you put out your next uh, batch or whatever. But yeah, basically, it's kind of like the Mister Fusion there in uh,
0: Back to the Future.
1: Yeah, yeah, the second one where he had it hooked on the back of the DeLorean. You put in organic matter, and it, yeah, that. I mean, you could use that to create fusion. But this here, this biocauldron, yeah, you could produce fuel. Mm-hmm. And you could do gasoline synthol. uh I still remember when they tried to market it as cornhol.'s <laughs> old I am I felt a collective shudder from my co-host with that, but no, bio bioculter, and that's something to produce uh uh liquid sources of fuel again gas- you probably you probably could make kerosene or yeah, I don't see why not with this, yeah,
0: yeah, I mean basically anything that you know anything equivalent of diesel.
1: Yeah, well, biodiesel. Yeah, that. Yes, exactly. Heck, they make, uh, yeah, for, and this is something that blew me away a couple years ago. The fact of biodiesel, grease from grease traps at like McDonald's and whatnot. I'm like, okay, I've had to dump stuff in there. I mean, you had to dump out the grease trap at night. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, you can use all, you can use like old fry grease. And yeah, biodiesel's a thing. Yeah. I was maybe three years ago that old when I found out that was a thing. So, yeah, that'd be another form of, you know, using one thing to for another. If you had right. some type and, of converter, yeah.
0: And the ironic thing was, you know, in, in back in the day, you could be paid to carry that stuff away, which you could then turn into something that you could then sell.
1: <laughs> oh, you know whoever made that business is living the life of riley he's got people serving he or she has got certain people serving them half foot because you know he's making in as the youngins would say and i yeah. hear my daughter saying old man step away from the modern lingo They're making the fat cash right now yeah but no I, that was something as as soon as you mentioned something that makes fuel the bio cauldron came to mind
0: okay all right yeah and of course, you know you you can always take fruit juices and things like that and ferment it into alcohol. Distill it, you have power. But that's not a, that's not a terribly high tech.
1: No, of doing no. It. And uh, also, depending on the level of alcohol, yeah, wine is. As I take another sip of the wine I have here now, what twenty five percent alcohol? It's
0: pretty good. <laughs>
1: yeah, but it, you
0: got to go through a lot of processing, all pulping uh, and extracting. Uh, and stuff like that to get that. Sure. Okay. So uh, let's let's take go back into the uh, the more obscure weird stuff, uh, which is uh, tapping into the ley lines, the literally the you know the uh, uh, the nervous system of the planet. They did uh, they didn't do it, but they basically referred to it in uh, Avatar. Uh, it's certainly been used in a lot of sword and sorcery and science fiction slash sorcery type stories where you literally can, you know, uh, uh, find places where it's concentrated, plug in uh, an electrode and literally draw power out of the ground.
1: Lay line powered temporary base okay i can see that happening
0: well just a power yeah. generator using ley lines that, Yeah. You know, that
1: that's where you'd want to
0: put your base in exactly the right spot oh and if you basic. get it
1: up, well if we're gonna use the typical l- rules for ley lines oh if you can get a nexus yeah oh no you're 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 golden yeah um usually yeah. the the convention folks for ley lines is like okay if you're near a ley line and you have the ability to tap into power yeah you'll get decent amount of power you get a nexus where two or more lines meet. Those are the type of sites that, that magic users battle over.
2: Uh, usually those are the places where the energies are enough to punch holes into reality.
1: Yeah, yeah. If we're going to start going the rips yeah. rules here, that's like, yeah. I well, was r- going to mention
0: rifts because, ro- you know,
1: roll for all, they, they, they basically
0: souped yeah. up those, you know, they, they turned those ley lines into high tension wires.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because of the... Um, you know, the nuclear exchange in 2088, and the more people died, the more ley lines flared, the more destruction it caused, the more people died. Lather, rinse, repeat, ad infinitum un weiter. And so now in the RIPs game, you have these ley lines that are visible from space at night. And even in the day, you walk through them, and there's sort of a blue twinkle every so often. You know you're on a ley line. But no, tapping into a ley line, like some type of, well, let's see, call it techno wizardry. I would refer to it as techno magic. But yeah, have something to convert ley line energy to just electricity. Oh no, that would be, I mean, obviously that would be a very expensive magic item by, you know, most games that you have, the uh, item creation rules. And yeah, that would be something that a very rich, board wizard would come up with. How are you getting power in the middle of the wilderness here, you know? flagstaff the great well, it's that device over there covered with the gems and the yeah it's like you done what
2: I mean, yeah. even yeah. even if you're not dealing with like tech, technology that will turn like ley line energy into into power usually most you know most settings will have a leyline line as a place where you can access or use magic cheaply you know you don't have to you're not having to use as much effort to generate magical effects so even something as small as a create fire spell will be a lot easier on a ley line. So you could possibly, you know, you'll find energy, you know, some sort of energy production easier around a ley line as opposed to off of it.
1: Okay. uh, Yeah. I'm trying to recall the line again, you know, if we're going to be using the games like Bureau 13 fringe where the last official versions were OGL. Uh, Let's see. There's a couple rules for ley lines. The one on, the D20 PFSRD pages, Ley Lines, what they do is increase the caster level of the spell you're casting. And you have a rating of 1 to 20, so it's like for every 5, I think it's CL plus 1. So if you do that, create fire. Jonathan, you do that, create fire spell. And you're on a level 20 Ley Line, which probably at night you would see you know, the bit of light coming from it. Your create fire spell, I believe, from the rules would be five caster levels higher. That means it would last longer, might give more damage if, you know, you, you know, were to create, you know, use it as a weapon.
2: Burns longer yeah. and hotter. And yeah. yeah,
1: the duration's longer, longer, hotter, faster. And I'm getting into the craft work song there. Um, I've seen other ley line rules again from Scorshirt Studios where it's. It increases a certain school of magic. And I do believe OGL for creating fire, that would be evocation. So yep. if you find the, the right ley line for that power's evocation, you are, again, like the guy from Ant-Man, in like the Flint. Yeah. So, yeah, it just depends on your... And also, the, another thing, we'll go back to rips. The ley lines really flare up during certain times of the year solar eclipse lunar eclipse planetary alignment solstices equinoxes that's generally the rules that kevin sabita's made for ley lines certain times of year is when you really want to be around for optimal ley line activity as it were and again that's why spell casters and whatnot will fight over positions and at certain times to be at this ley line at this time because uh, you'll get oh an extra thousand ppe if it's you know A planetary alignment during a lunar eclipse. Yeah, you get like an extra thousand PPE or something like that. But yeah, yeah, so ley lines, ley lines as a source of power, if you can convert it to just regular magical energy to electricity. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's bad. I know that much about the Rift system, and I didn't even think that that would be an option. Well,
0: I, you know, in in the anime, um, uh, the uh, devil is a part timer. Uh, He he works at a uh, big box store, and all the, uh, 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 all the appliances that they sell there, okay, are all powered, you know, by regular power. Except in, in outside the house, they had this big box that basically is po- powered by mana, and uh, normally it, it runs fine. Every once in a while, they have to do some tuning on the mana or whatever. But they have this generator that produces mana. Now, obviously, if you put this on a ley line, it would probably produce a lot more or take a lot less. Would detune a lot less often, provide more power. So just any anything that normally would hook into mana, ambient mana, is going to do a lot better. Either it's going to operate, you know, more more. It's going to evoke more easily, or it's going to last longer, more efficient. I mean, just just put whatever kind of uh, of. Uh, Adjective you want to to it. It's it's going to be a good thing to do. You know if you have that kind of of technology. And of course, you know we are invoking you know uh, Cl- uh, Clark's law, which is <coughs> any sufficiently advanced technology is, is indistinguishable, indistinguishable
1: from magic. magic. Yes. And
0: likewise, any magic uh, advanced magic is going to look like technology. So you know all all these are still high tech solutions, right? So.
1: just depends on the rules of physics and nature and science you want to subscribe to, yes. Right,
0: right, you know. Now, uh, Jonathan, are you familiar with the um, uh, the vampire-powered generator?
2: It sounds familiar, but I'm drawing a blank. You've thrown me for a loop on this one. What is the vampire I I don't know, it does
1: sound like something he wants to really sink his teeth into.
2: I'm familiar. Thank I'm familiar you. with the cat t- the 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 buttered cat generator.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah,
2: is yes. it similar uh, to that? Okay.
0: There's that one too, but this one, uh, <laughs> I'll let you talk about that afterwards if you really care to. okay. so i I saw a really good diagram of this recently. So what you have is you have a container, you know, and uh, it's basically man-sized. It's got this big piston in it, all right? And the piston goes to you know uh, a number of other, you know, basically a, a crankshaft. And the crankshaft then goes to a generator, you know. So what happens is, is that um, you uh, you have a vampire and he's in, uh, you know, and, and I don't want any vampire cruel People talk, you know, complaining about this. <laughs> okay. Send all your hate mail to me. B I, I ain't uh, giving no uh, not disclaimer bother, about not bother abusing my, my other co-workers. I didn't I did not give them any warning about this. Um, uh, anyways, so basically the vampire is is trapped inside this 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 tube, okay, this this cylinder, all right. And there's a, a, a thing pressing down on him. Okay, but he has mass, therefore he's holding it back. All right. You spray some holy water into the the uh uh, into the cylinder which causes the vampire to disintegrate into a, a pile of dust all right piston goes down you know all right then you spray some blood you know uh from another emitter into the dust vampire reconstitutes pushes the piston back up do this a thousand times,
1: you've got, you got yeah. or
0: class, I don't know, you got got a, you know, it depends on how much force a vampire reconstituting does, maybe it's, you know, that which cannot be denied, and, you know, it produces a hundred horsepower, I don't know, one piston does a thousand know, horsepower, you know, anyways, the point is that you put this in an array, and you've got this thing basically going up and down, and all you need is a uh, a, a reliable supply of blood, which doesn't take a whole lot, just a little bit of blood and uh, and a little bit of a holy water. As long as you got those supplies, it's not so. It's not <laughs> it's it's not a professional motion machine. It does require expenditures of materials. Okay, but that's the vampire. That's the vampire powered uh, generator. Uh,
2: oh, okay. Yep, that's I had heard that.
0: Before. All right, so. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you're in a medieval society and it's low tech, you you, you got basically something that you know, and you've got lots of vampires and got this thing set up. Uh, you might not be able to produce electricity because you don't have no understanding what a generator is, but you're still producing force. You can still run uh, a lathe. You can still run a water, you know, uh, not a water wheel, but a, um, uh, a mill you know, to, to gr- grind grain. You can still run rollers to, you know, to to flatten pieces of metal. I'm just saying you have force. You know, this is producing force that could be then harvested for useful things. So even to pump water up to the top of a tower and now you have water that's, you know, you now have perpetual energy, not perpetual, I'm sorry, potential energy on the top of the tower or the top of the hill, which then can run down and then provide you know hydraulic energy to run other parts of your city. So I'm just saying is that you know it sounds kind of, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna begrudge anybody that. But I mean the concept works, and you could you could run an entire city on vampire re- de- death and re uh, or destruction and reconstitution. All right. So back to you, Jonathan. Tell us about the the buttered cat. Um, the buttered cat generator.
2: <laughs> uh, it's based off of the classic uh, ideas of you know, a cat always falls on its feet, and buttered toast will always side a fall buttered side down. So what happens if you strap a piece of buttered toast onto the back of a cat and drop it? It it can't land on either side. It'll spin and perpetual so it'll spin motion and, it, and yeah yeah. Although that reminded me of a of a. A slightly the the vampire <laughs> generator m- reminded me along the same lines of, you know, the phrase so and so was spinning in their grave. Mm-hmm. I heard the phrase once, but that, that got that got so and so spinning in their grave so fast you could stick a crankshaft up their butt and they'd power the eastern seaboard for a month. There you go.
0: Yep.
1: Good night, everybody. Yeah. Good <laughs> <Get> night. <laughs> or as me and Z do. Da sketch.
0: Right. Yep. Okay. So <laughs> uh, dealing with it a little bit more in the game system rather than the weird the the uh actually in Savage Worlds, this would be what would be considered to be a weird science device. And oh, you, you think? can make <laughs> these things in the Savage Worlds <laughs> system and use them in any game like Bureau thirteen that I used you know, in the Savage World system to run. You could have built a generator using vampires and the whole idea. So, uh, but I mean, they also have other spells like lightning bolt, uh, which could be used to charge up, you know, uh, capacitors, uh, which then could be drained for their power. Because we have these things called supercapacitors right now that are being used instead of lead acid batteries, okay, to basically get cars started and to keep them running you know they and they are uh, in many ways you know far better because they they don't run out of power on a cold day and, and in Alaska they're a great thing to have okay when the temperature gets down to negative 20 negative 30 degrees these things still work your lead acid batteries are like sorry can't help you okay uh, now what they are bad about doing currently is the fact is that they they bleed energy out so if you leave your car sitting for a week, then it's, all the ba- all the energy is gone out of your uh, capacitors. That's where you need, a, you know. So they, they some people are, are putting a small lead acid battery and a uh, super capacitor setup to basically provide both sides of that, and it's a much better solution, I think, than a lot of the ones that are out there. But put that aside. We got electric. We got you know produce five um, e has a number of cantrips that produce uh, electrical charge, uh, produce electricity. And it even says it can be used to charge an electrical device in the description of, of the cantrip. So you could theoretically use, you know, a cantrip, you know, which is, can be done every round to um, to charge up, you know, batteries and things like that. Uh, there's also, uh, like I said, there's a... There's, uh, Electrical type things are, are hard to find, but uh, uh, there's there's also creatures that produce electricity naturally. They're like a, a electrical elemental and oh, air no, elemental.
1: The, the, the entire uh, concept of Eberron and the, the dragon mark houses, they right. harnessed elementals and had dragon mark items that, oh, look, this fire elemental can produce a ring of fire that allows you to fly or an air, air elemental and you have these airships. Right. And of course, my favorite, the lightning trains. That basically they mm-hmm. locked um, electrical elementals in these lightning stones, and that served as the track. You basically right. had a technomagic-powered maglev train.
0: Right, and uh, the the video game of uh, uh, Skyrim has soul stones that essentially are used. Oh to yeah, charge up. You know, uh devices and, and wands, so you can just cast spells all day until they run out and put it and you charge it up again. And these are easy to find and easy to make.
1: Uh when uh Jeff Derep, the professor, and myself were helping to plot out his sadly failed um Skyrim OGL campaign, we had to research soul stones and seeing how they could be used as power sources and yeah, no, I'm sitting there looking at some of this stuff and I'm going, okay, yeah, it's like I don't need another fandom, but why haven't I found out about, the- oh, that's right, I don't play video games. But no, that was a unique idea, the soul stones. In a way, you could sit there and tweak that for, um, oh God, the spell, magic jar, or trap the soul. If you wanted something soul powered, then that'd be more along the lines of uh, necromancy, you know, type magic could be used to make power. Just the power of a soul to, you know, put it in a gem and it runs this and this and turbine and yeah. yeah
2: even in fifth edition D and D, the um uh the, the the source book where you go into Avernus or or Hell, the first layer of hell in, in Dungeons and Dragons, uh, they had you know, Mad Max style vehicles that were powered off of soul coins, you know. The coins that were the, the the forged souls of of you know human beings or mortals. So yeah, there there's already the, the mm. there's many examples of soul power basically. Okay. Ah, uh, and you get to drive around Mad Max vehicles <laughs> in hell.
1: Okay. All right. Never, well, never uh, Baldur's Gate is a game based in Fair Room, the Forgotten Realm. Yeah, okay, you start I, there, right. Right. and then you yeah, end up yeah, going yeah. to hell. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well there's in, in which version of hell? I mean, there's a That's, lot of la- layers in the abyss. It was the first one. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, and of course, we haven't talked at all about you know whatever powers phasers, because uh, it's not. I, I haven't been able to figure it out. The uh, uh, according to the, the later series, phasers release a beam of fictional subatomic particles called rapid na- uh, nadian, which are then refracted or rectified through superconducting crystals, <laughs> but they don't say what actually powers it. What we do know is, is that in the in the um, a classic Trek, Scotty took a couple of phasers and fired them into the power banks of a shuttle to allow it to to finally fly up into orbit and be rescued. So these little handheld devices these weren't even like the laser rifles these handheld devices apparently really carry a kick they carry a lot of power
2: yeah cuz i mean they can they can vaporize a humanoid body like completely in less than a second that that actually is a lot of energy to do that cuz i mean even yeah. our crematoriums can't do that
1: yeah right so they still uh, leave behind bones and exactly. stuff yeah
0: right yeah it's you have to, you know, I mean, they they don't burn the bones, but you could heat, uh, raise it high enough to burn even the bones. But it was take again a prodigious amount of like energy, which the phaser just automatically just breaks it all down to subatomic particles. And you just, yeah, like
1: just vanish yeah, I'm like on, the wind. I'm on memory alpha here, uh, the official Star Trek wiki. Most phasers are classified as particle weapons and fire nadion particle beams. Yeah, and yeah, just.
0: Nadion,
1: <laughs> Nadion. Yeah. But I'm saying,
0: saying but the power packs. How much power do the power packs? These these things hold a heck of a lot. Is what is what I basically take down. So you know, it's if you had enough of these things, I guess it'd be possible for you to just just bring all your power banks with you and just slowly use it up, and then when you run out of power, you just you're done. Time to go ah, on.
1: Ah, here we go. Uh, my this might answer. In the nadion particle beam phasers, plasma was passed to a plasma emitter, resulting in a discharge in Nadeon particles. Residual particles can be found in places where a battle recently taken, but okay, yeah. So basically, you have something that you have, and, you know, phasers, You've ever, unless you've been under a rock the past 50-plus years, you know what a phaser looks like. So something that's small that might fit into the clip of that gun can superheat matter to plasma so right there you know that this is a very powerful device if it can if something that small can superheat matter to plasma which is the fourth yeah. state of matter liquid yeah. solid right. gas we're
0: not even talking yet. about the antimatter drive this is something else considerably less than that
1: well yeah but I, i'm just trying it, to it, it thing of scale here just as yeah, far it's, as it's hand-held
0: I'm just saying it's really powerful compared to what we're seeing here.
2: I want to say that I remember at least at least one episode I want to say of next generation where they they set a phaser to detonate as an improvised explosion they do that a
0: lot
1: actually
2: oh yeah they yeah so, they yeah. do that yeah so but I, oh, no, I can't I, remember how how much how much power it put out when they did that um like how what did they destroy when they were doing it that way? probably a wall or
1: something or no it was
0: something. more than that yeah they they uh they uh in the uh menagerie they basically took one of their phasers into overload and supposedly it was going to take out everything around okay and um you know kills gonna kill them the aliens whatever you know um saying we don't know where you are or what you're doing but we're pretty sure you're close enough nearby that if we if we put this thing in overload, blow ourselves up, it's going to solve our problem. So it's going to solve the, the Federation's problem with you people.
2: So maybe tactical nuke levels.
0: <laughs> no, I would. Well, maybe like like Snoopy. You know, you say tactical like Snoopy, like maybe a, a, a block. Yeah, you could take out like a city block. Mm, OK, yeah. OK. And of course, if you have a building on that city block, that's a lot. That That could, that could be a lot of collateral damage blow off the bottom a couple floors. And...
1: Ah, here we go. Got the, the thing here. Hand phasers can be made to overload, either deliberately or by sabotage. Phasers, in the process of overloading, emitted a distinctive high-pitched whine. Yep. The re- weapon released all of its energy and explosion capable of doing condi- considerable damage to its surroundings. Uh, in 2266, Lenore Caridin attempted murder Kirk by hiding an overloading phaser in his cabin. Kirk, McCoy, and Sulu were almost killed while on the Caladan outpost planet, okay, yeah. So, yeah, overloading, yeah. It, uh, Let's see. According to NextGen Tech Manual, one possible method to overload a phaser involved disengaging safeties that normally allowed to manage the phaser's power system. This allowed energy to be transferred from the power cell to the pre-fire chamber, then back into the power cell faster than the cell could reabsorb the energy causing the cell to overload. Okay, well, since we They still don't it tell soon, you how much. Well, <laughs> so, yeah.
0: That is my point. Well, we don't know. It's basically as powerful as the plot requires. Yeah, Yeah, uh,
1: still. Still, they mentioned Sulu, but just the fact so we can just say this. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: but, But like I said, they also use it to get a shuttle from the planet to orbit by fire emptying a couple of these things into the the energy banks of the shuttle. So pretty impressive. No. All right. Anyways, I'm just saying, is it so it, as as a nifty, you know, uh, power source that I, I I just have a phaser rifle, okay, and you just plug a plug into it, you know, and just run your entire camp off of it. I mean, I yeah, I think that sounds that's how like you yeah. it. You oh know? no, like,
1: you could rig rig something like that up. Yeah, that that's again the techno babble and oh, we're gonna rig this to do this and this and that. Yeah, it, it, it not a problem. Yeah, a phaser yeah. clip should be able to power everything.
0: Right. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know how much it would take to, you know, I mean, you know, you, you, it's all, it's, as they say, it's all the economies of scale. You make something the size of a city, how many phaser banks does it take? I think they would probably use some other technology at that point, you know, uh, you know, a fusion, like I say, a fusion generator or something because they had plenty of those. And, and then in, in, uh, Oh, uh, in the early days of, of, uh, Robotech, um, uh, Everything was run by by fusion power plants, rather than... Liqu-
1: liquid hydrogen-powered fusion reactors, yeah. Right,
0: rather, yeah. rather, you know, it was only later that they got their hands on, on the uh, protoculture. So, and that was enough to have these these giant mech ships fl- flipping and, you know, uh, and, and shooting each other and doing all kinds of stuff in outer space, or going down and landing on the planet. So, plenty of energy, okay, you know, so if if you know, use uh i would think that you know using a robotech type scenario you could the power that was available there and the technology that they had could do some really pretty amazing stuff you know if you just simply took the robotech manual per se you know this and said okay we're going to use this in this space game that we're doing you know this is going to this is the technology that we have available to us and there would be quite a bit i think to use
1: Okay. Yeah, um, I'm trying to show I'm trying to see here about gigawatts or whatever I'm scrolling yeah. on the page. Uh, I don't think you're going to yeah. get it. Never mind, they got the formula for warp factor if you look up warp but you can't do it for a phaser. Thanks, a <laughs> Lot Gene. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, and and as a last thing, you know, we we didn't, you know, uh, we didn't talk about things like, you know, transports and, you know, using lift balls and and um you know, various types of anti-gravity vehicles and stuff like that. So we haven't talked about that. You know, we may come back some later. But I'm going to tell you that, you know, I don't care what anybody says. Walking around in a mecca is probably the coolest way of traveling hither and yon that you want to. And if you live in a fantasy world, I would dress it up like a giant. (laughs) I mean, you're just making it look like a monster. And matter of fact, if you're you're trying to be covert, make your mecca look like a T-Rex. Or something like that. Oh,
1: there is a game. It was OGL, so maybe 3035, done by Goodman Games called Dragon Mech. And they basically had flesh golems you could pilot around. Yeah, they were made by necromancers, but Uh you basically had sort of kind of living mechs. I mean, you had your clockwork, you had your all that, and then you had the flesh, basically they were, they were flesh golems that you could move right. around and yeah. So, oh right. no, dress one up as a giant. Yeah. Or, or yeah. some type of I predator mean, it, animal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have no problem conceiving of cat buses. So, but I mean, you know, why not have a dinosaur that has a, a, you know, part of it is actually a, 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 a cockpit, you know, and, and you're inside the, and you're dro- you're driving, driving the dinosaur around. Everyone thinks this is a dinosaur. That's pretty that's pretty covert, you know. Uh or a um uh, uh, an iron golem, you know, if you look at an iron golem in any version of D&D, okay, it looks like a mech. <laughs> it looks like one of those Japanese, you know, uh, Johnny and his giant robot pack. Johnny
1: and his flying robot. Yeah, yeah it I looks like what? that yeah.
0: or it looks like um Oh, um Iron Giant. I'm just saying is that you know, it, it's not a very big jump to go from, you know, and I said so I rather than having something boring that looks like a uh looks like a big, you know, a tank or whatever like that, I would definitely want a mech because a mech can go over any terrain. A mech possibly, depending upon its size, can have jump jets, a mech, you know, it's they're just cool. Okay, and I played, you know, uh, the uh, uh, you know robots. Uh, uh, I played uh, Mech Warrior, and I played, you know, uh, back when they were called uh, uh, Mech Droids before they got sued by Lucasfilm, <laughs> for using the word droid. Wow! Okay. And these okay. things were these things were totally cool to play with and have fun with. So I'm saying is is that I if I was you know was going to an another world or whatever, and I was bringing vehicles. At least one of those, vehicles, of course, we saw it in Avatar. At least one of those vehicles was going to be a mech, okay, of some kind because they're just cool just to have to run around. Okay. Well, I mean, we could probably talk about this for another couple hours, but I think we're going to call this a close and say, you know, I hope you guys can see that, you know, there's no reason not to add tons of fun, ultra tech, super tech, whatever, magical tech. To your games to solve solutions and help you survive in an environment where it's really very, you know, it's it's, it's hazardous. And, uh, you know, and of course, I'm not going to say the most obvious thing that the most hazardous environment are ones that have lots of people in it. But, but, you know, what we were talking about. not uh, wrong.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, whether it's a mountain, mountainous terrain, whether it's the ocean and below the ocean, whether it's a you know a, a airless planetoid, a, a burning desert, you know whatever, you know a a, a necromantic filled ghoul laden whatever. Okay, there are high tech solutions out there that can save your bacon and and, uh, and make it fun to deal with them and you know i know that in my friends worthy game every week i try to get these guys to step up their game with their equipment and do more cool and fun stuff okay and i hope that you will too in your own games whether you create your own campaign whether you're using 5e savage worlds any of the other games that are out there there's lots of them make up your own game system mix and match you know, we want you to bring use bring the awesome of these games, these concepts to your table and just have fun with it, you know, and let us know what you did, because we want to see how awesome your game has become.
1: We are at Fans of Gaming on the Frontier podcast on Facebook, Fringeworthy RPG fans on Facebook, Bureau 13 agents everywhere on Facebook. We are available at the Podbean site you're getting this from, tritexystems.podbean.com. Please go to iTunes and leave a favorable five-star review for us. We are available via Spotify. Of course, me pretty much having the biggest and, and I'm I'm not trying to brag here. This is a fact. I got the biggest digital footprint out of the three of us. If you have questions with this, contact me, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. I'm not hard to find. And if I can answer I will pass it along to my co-host to, you know, get this all figured out for you so you can plug this back into your game and bring awesome.
0: All right. Yeah. And we'll have more for you next week, but you'll have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore
1: them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun.
0: Gaming on the Frontier podcast